everyone, and welcome to this edition of the All The Anime Anime Limited podcast, being recorded on Friday the 8th of June 2018. I am Jeremy Graves, and I am joined in the office studio today by... Lauren. And... Andy. And that's who you've got this week, because everyone else is away. Everyone from the production side of things is away, leaving it to team marketing to somehow hold the fort. Thank you for listening. It's been a great show. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's been an interesting week. It's been sort of just us here for the majority of it. No massive fires from what I can gather, Andy, have, ha- have happened. Unless no. you've hidden them quite well. No, no. I mean, we've sort of uh, we've sort of reached our recovery point from MCM Comic Con, I, I, I think, mostly, kind of. Um, and, uh, yeah, most, mostly just been trying to do stuff in a hot office, to be honest. Like, we've tried to have meetings where everyone just wants to sleep because it's too warm, which is a, a rarity for Glasgow, so I guess we should be grateful That's the thing, I, I'm trying not to complain about it because I'm embracing the warm weather while we have it. But then again, I also like to think that because of the whole beast from the east malarkey earlier this year, I'd like to think this is kind of our reward for having to put up with that. Yeah. I mean, especially you, Lauren, because you were trapped inside for, like, what, six days? Yeah, no public transport, no getting out of my house. It was great. Cool. As enthusiastic as yeah. ever, of course. <laughs> people tell me I sound manically depressed again, it's fine. Oh. Mm. So, before we get any further, everybody, let's pay some of the bills. If you are new to this podcast, good luck to you getting through it, but I hope you enjoy it. But make sure you visit our website, alltheanime.com. That is where you can get the latest information on our upcoming releases and already available releases. Then if you want to join the conversation and interact with us here and there, you can do so on Facebook and Twitter. We are All The Anime. You can also hit up our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash alltheanime. And if you go to alltheanime.com right now, by the time you're hearing this, there are going to be two special offers on our web shop for a couple of upcoming titles, aren't there, Andy? Yes, indeed. It's, uh, I'd like to pretend it's deliberate that there's a bit of a theme to them both, but I'll be honest, there wasn't. Um, but uh, yeah, we will have early bird deals for Rocker, Braves of the Six Flowers, complete with the uh, English dub, which is the first place you'll be able to uh, find and hear it. Um, and also, personal favourite of mine, Kyoka Part 2, will also be getting its early bird treatment. So uh, yeah, pick up one or both of those, because they're both good shows. Is Part 2 better than Part 1? Um, I think part two probably has my favourite story arc overall, but okay. it's pretty it's pretty consistent. Like if if you like part one, then you kinda know what you're getting with part two. Like there there are no big surprises in store as, as far as that goes. Actually speaking of part one, actually worth noting, because this news sort of came about earlier in the week, that the part one, the limited collector edition Blu-ray, is going out of print. All the final stock now the final stock now, excuse me, is with retailers, including our own. So if you want to get a hold of part one of Hyoka if you want to get hold of part one of Hyoka on limited collector's edition Blu-ray, got there in the end, then make sure you do that sooner rather than later because we legitimately do not know how much longer retailers will have it in stock for because once it's gone... It's gone. And there you go. It's, it's nice to see that UK anime fans do, do have some good taste in anime, so I, I approve of <laughs> Quote you. Quote Andrew Hanley. <laughs> so we mentioned some great animes there, but... We want to know what's coming out next in the cinema, because we know you guys love to go to the cinema and see anime on the big screen. Our next film is Maquia When the Promised Flower Blooms. It is coming to cinemas at the end of this month, Andy, and people can buy tickets right now at maquiafilm.co.uk. Yes, indeed they can. It's been it's been quite cool, actually, recently, because uh, the film is... Uh sort of entering uh, cinemas in Australia now and I've seen lots and lots of people being really excited coming out of kind of some of the early screenings in Australia and, and basically shouting from the rooftops about how you absolutely have to see this film. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I concur. People should go see this film. It's, it's a really good film. It's really fascinating and uh, it's a gorgeous looking film as well. So, uh, yeah, if you've not booked tickets already, then uh, then get on it because it's uh, well worth checking out. The 27th of June is the date, everybody. And we know a few of you have been asking, are there going to be any other screenings on other days? Honestly, the 27th of June is the day. If there are screenings after that, that is entirely up to the cinema chains themselves. It's something that we have no control over. It's also been the case with previous films of ours that have been in the cinema before as well. So we implore you as much as you can, please support this film because if you want to keep seeing more anime on the big screen, catching films like this in the cinema is the way to help make that possible. 
<laughs> okay, nothing else to add. Right, there you go. There was me hoping for someone else to back me up on that comment, but there you go. I will stand alone. You said it so well. There was nothing else to add. Oh, thank you very much. So, I mean, we said that so well. Should we talk about the amount of releases that we've had over the past few weeks? Yes, uh, the, the, the end of May was just a, just a tad a tad busy, as, as if to coincide with London Comic Con. We we had one or two products that we released on the the Monday following that event. Indeed. So let's give you a rundown, everybody, because on the twenty eighth of May, the following titles were released. Deep breath. Sword Art Online: The Movie Ordinal Scale. Sword Art Online Two Part One Standard Edition Blu-ray. Fairy Tale Dragon Cry. Wolf's Reign Ultimate Edition. Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust, Anime Limited Store Exclusive Collector Edition. Gundam The Origin 1-4, The Chronicle of Char and Sailor Limited Edition Blu-ray. Then on the 4th of June we had the standard edition Blu-ray of Grimgar. Ashes and Delusions, that was the title. Yes, there you go. For a brief second I was about to say Fantasy and or Fantasy and Ash, but that was the original title. Yes, yeah, just just confuse people. But yeah, that's a, that's a good show. Nice to see that getting a standard edition treatment, because I do like it a lot. Indeed. That said, though, the collector edition, if people still want to pick that up, that is available as well. And that's got some really cool art with it as well. I really loved yes. how that turned out. Yes, yeah, we were really pleased with that one in the office. Really, really nice book, and the, the packaging looked, uh, looked glorious. Indeed they do. And then, over the next few weeks, towards the, en- towards the end of June, excuse me, we've got more releases to add to your collection as well. This coming Monday, at the time of recording, the 11th of June, it is Lupin Third Part 4 otherwise known as The Italian Adventure. That is available on a subtitle-only limited collector's edition Blu-ray set. If you want to get more information about that release and also the eventual dub release that will come down the line, I encourage you to visit alltheanime.com. If you look in the listing for the product, you can find the link to the unboxing post at our blog, and all of the juicy details are in there because there's a lot of info about that. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, it's... uh... A complex release for all of the reasons that are outlined in said blog post, but uh, yeah, like long story short, if you're looking at that, say, oh, subtitle only, what about the dub? The dub is coming, we are doing our best to uh, to get that dub to people at a reasonable cost if you order through our shop, so yeah, read all the details and uh, and uh, take notes, because uh, hopefully that will be coming down the line soonish. Then on the 18th of June, it is the standard edition Blu-ray release of Persona 3 Movie 4 Winter of Rebirth. And then, Andy, the sun shines on the UK as Love Live Sunshine Season 1 is released on Blu-ray and DVD, a limited collector's edition Blu-ray that is limited to only 500 units. Yes, yeah, get, get in on that uh, early. I like how everybody just relies on me as like resident Love Live fan to, to wax lyrical about it. But... Well, I mean, to be fair, we were just we sort of just expect you to have something to say. It's not that we rely on you. It's just we expect you to just have something at the ready every time. I mean, it's more love live. Like if you're a fan of that, it's it's more of the same, but with a different cast. Um, has some has some good songs. Like arguably, the soundtrack on Love Live Sunshine is better than the soundtrack on Love Live, which is probably going to get me into trouble. I was going to say, have you just created like a war? With yes, that there are there are going to be comments on this podcast now. But but in my humble opinion. Love Life Sunshine has a marginally better soundtrack. So, Andy, we're both Transformers fans from back in the day. Yes, we are indeed. There was obviously a G1, Generation Mm. 1, and a Generation 2. Now, there is some debate in the world that Generation 2 could be perceived as being better than Generation 1. Who says that? I've never met them personally, but apparently they exist. Is Generation 2 of Love Live better than Generation 1? I mean, they haven't taken any of the Love Live character designs and turned them from a gun into a tank. <laughs> so, I mean, the comparison sort of falls down a little bit there. Um, no, I, I don't know. Like, I guess the interesting thing is that they both tried to be very different. Like, when it came to Love Live Sunshine, everybody was worried that they were just going to retread the exact same story of, oh no, our school is shutting down. If we become school idols, we can save the school. And it kind of does a little bit of that, but it has sufficient twists to it that it's actually not really about that at the end of the day it becomes about something else and I think that's what I appreciate about it is that it's actually sufficiently different they could easily have just like dropped some new characters into the exact same formula and probably done done just fine but they have actually tried to to mix it up a little bit narratively so it's it's sufficiently different enough that you know you you feel like you're, you're getting your money's worth for that. I also feel the need to point out as well that uh, I think our Collector's Edition Blu-ray set has actually turned out really well. The artwork looks really cool on the front of the box and whatnot, and the amount of stuff inside is great. And 
if I do say so myself, I think we've done a really great job with that series. Mm. I know people in other territories were hoping that maybe there'd be something a bit more extravagant available for the set, but I'm really happy that we've been able to bring out something pretty special and unique for the Love Live fans over here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I think, as, as people have noted, you know, we, we are only doing a 500-unit run for this. You know, the, the fandom isn't quite big enough in terms of people who will actually, you know, buy the series on home video to, to warrant doing anything too crazy, but we've we've done a, a nice collector's edition. Yeah, I really like the, the packaging and, and how we've, we've done all that. You, you got some stickers as a little fun extra, and uh, and yeah, there's some, some cool stuff in there. It, it looks, uh, looks really slick. Then we move to the 25th of June, where it's another deluge of a release day, as we have got ReZero Part 1. We have Part 2 of Hyoka, as we mentioned earlier. There is also Sword Art Online 2 Part 2, the standard edition Blu-ray of that. The standard edition Blu-ray release of Wolf's Rain. I'm getting nearly tongue-tied there as I say that. We also have Rocker, which we mentioned earlier as well. And there is also the Masaki Uasa film Night is Short, Walk on Girl. That'll be coming out as a limited collector edition Blu-ray plus DVD set and standard DVD as well. And standard Blu-ray, actually, same day as well. Mm -hmm, indeed. And if you order it from our shop with the pre-orders opening uh, soon, uh, you will also get an additional bonus poster, which is pretty cool as well. So, indeed. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for our early bird offer on that very soon. And that poster is an alltheanime.com store exclusive when you buy the limited collector's edition set. There'll be more details coming on that in the next few weeks, so make, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Moving on to our blog for a second, because we like to post articles up there as well as unboxings and news of releases and such. So here's a couple of highlights for you over the past week or so that you may have missed in the throes of Comic-Con and such. Earlier this week, we had Raz Greenberg on Hello Kitty and Transformers in Netflix's series, The Toys That Made Us, which I'm not sure if either of you guys have watched it yet, but it's actually a really cool documentary series. Yeah, I, I want to watch the Transformers stuff at least. As, like as as we've just mentioned, like as, as Transformers fans, I still have a, a box load of Transformers of G One Transformers in my house um, that uh, I should probably do something with because I was reading a thing in, in uh, the papers recently. Somebody like their Transformers collection is worth forty thousand pounds now. Oh crap, like, man! And I guess like he he'd kind of kept everything mint in boxes, obviously, which I didn't because I was a kid. And you have the mint in a box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. So, uh, but yeah, it's kind of like made me think like oh, I'm probably sitting on some some cash there. But uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd want to part with all those childhood memories. Mm. What about you, Laura? Have you checked out the series at all? I didn't even know it was a thing, but the fact they're doing Hello Kitty stuff, I'm sold. So. It's a really cool series because what they do, they, they treat it like a proper documentary, and they interview people who are involved in all sorts of things. So one of the ones they did in the first season was um, was He Man, for example, and they talked about how. It was this massive toy range and how they came up with the idea. Maybe like certain molds of things were stolen from other ideas and there was a way to tell patterns and stuff. And then like who has the rights to certain things and why there are sour grapes between certain people. Because maybe for example for G.I. Joe, I think it was G.I. Joe, the guy who created G.I. Joe sold the rights. He had like two options. He would either get like a flat fee like for all eternities. Like, right, you know, so say like, I can't remember the number, but say a thousand dollars. We will buy the rights to you, off you, for a thousand dollars, or you can have like, say, a cup, like a percentage of the royalty forevermore, and you chose the flat fee. Oh. <laughs> and then there's like the sour grapes part of it, yeah. so you sort of get to see the relationships the, there. The, the classic mistake. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Transformers history is, is likewise, you know, again, lots of stories of kind of moulds being taken from other companies for the early range, you know, I mean, Jetfire famously is actually a Macross figure. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, Jetfire is, is a Valkyrie from Macross that has just been rebranded with uh, with Autobot stickers, basically. <laughs> like, it's, it's effectively identical. So, uh, so yeah, like, it's, that's uh, the 80s is a particularly interesting time for all of that toy stuff, because it's when a lot of that kind of stuff exploded at the same mm -hmm. time, and so there was a, a real scramble to try and get on various cash cows and, and what have you. So, uh, so yeah, I do need to check that out because it sounds like a real interesting show. Mm. You know what the other interesting one is, actually? I'm just, I was trying to remember what the other episodes are, but the Barbie one is insane. Like, how they're talking about, like, evolving Barbie over time and stuff and, like, how massive it got, and yeah. you just sort of watch this not knowing anything, and it's like, Jesus Christ, how much money did this thing make? <laughs> But also on the blog, we've got Mitchell Lynham looking at alternative universes. Some may say quite timely because Sword Art Online Ordinal Scale is out now. 
Andrew Osmond looks at the series ReZero, and Jeremy Clark on Ardman's animation Early Man. You can read about all of those right now at blog.alltheanime.com. Then, to touch on a couple of things, in a segment I like to call news from around the world, although realistically, it's not from around the world, it's relating to us. Uh, rocker clips of the English cast. We are premiering those over the course of the next few weeks. At time of recording, there are two clips available for you to check out, and uh, one of them featuring the character of Flamey, who is voiced by the same actress who is the voice of Rem in ReZero, uh, Brianna Knickerbocker, I believe. That is correct. There yeah. we go. So uh, yeah, if you want to check out the dub and see how that is coming along, you can do so. And like we say, we will be having more clips over the coming weeks for you as well. And it's something I wanted to make mention of because I think it's pretty damn cool. The, the symphonic heavy metal band from Holland called Epica last year released a CD in Japan which was a, a covers EP of Attack on Titan songs. So for example, they took the main theme from Attack on Titan Season 1 and they sort of epicified it because they're a symphonic metal band. So they changed the lyrics into English, recreated the sound, added maybe some solos in there and stuff, put their own twist on it, if you will. And they've actually released an EP of covers. So I think it's three songs from, from Attack on Titan plus an original they've made based on the entire franchise. And then you also get the instrumental versions of those as well. I actually got Andrew to pick me up a copy of the CD, that being Partridge, not Andy Handy, even though he's sitting next to me. But uh, I got Partridge to pick me up a copy of the CD while he was in Japan, because it looked like it was never going to get a release over here. And it's coming out at the end of July, worldwide, so I'm really stoked about it. And they're releasing it on vinyl as well. So it's pretty damn cool. So if you're, if you're a fan of heavy metal, symphonic metal, and you like Attack on Titan, maybe give this a shot. I believe it's being released by Nuclear Blast Records, for anyone interested. So if you, if you look up Epica, on Twitter or Facebook, or I think it's, their website might be epica.com, it might be epica.nl, I didn't think about looking that up before I actually started talking about this. But, um, but no, it's going to be a really, really cool CD, it, it's really worth going out of your way to watch. Uh, epica.nl, because they're from the Netherlands, Holland. So yeah, give it a check out, and I think they've also put out a video on the Nuclear Blast Record YouTube channel as well, of the first song, Crimson Bow and Arrow. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's very rare I get to talk about heavy metal and I get to somehow make it link into anime, so I'm all game for this. So, let's diverge. What we've been watching, reading, playing, doing. Uh, Andy, what's something you've been checking out since we last checked in? Because I don't recall we talked about anything last week post-Comic-Con. No, no, I, I, don't, I don't think we're in a state to talk about anything much post-Comic-Con. We just wanted to enter some kind of comatose fugue states and mm. which I think we then duly did um, yeah I mean I've, I've made, finally managed to catch up on all of my spring season anime watching having had kind of a, a week of, of Comic Con and Comic Con prep um, and there's still loads of, loads of cool stuff going on um, Full Metal Panic Invisible Victory kind of topical for, for Comic Con um, mm. that's that's into uh, or, or coming towards the end of its second story arc and that's uh, that's going some places um, so that's been, been good fun to watch although it that, that was that was less fun kind of being teased by the guests that were there saying oh have you seen episode 6 yet it's like no I'm working at Comic Con like, oh we got to see it before we got here and it's, it's just very unfair I, was like, just, <laughs> I, I, I thought they were going to spoil me on it which they didn't I'll give them that but uh, I, I, I felt a little, a little hard done by it because I just wanted to go away and watch it then out of interest from your perspective given that we were helping out with the guests that being Shoji Gato the creator for those who weren't aware at MCM Comic Con, has it changed your perception of the show at all, or have you noticed anything in particular? Uh, I mean, the the second story arc is an interesting one because it you get left with a sort of a real big sort of cliffhanger slash pivotal moment at the end of the first story arc, and then the second story arc happens, and it kind of it's so sort of out of time and place in comparison to that. You don't really know where it's going, and then slowly, kind of the building blocks come together as to what's actually going on here. So it's kind of an interesting one because it's like it's a slow burn, but it's actually the payoff feels like it's going to be worthwhile as we get towards the end of that arc. I'm looking forward to watching it myself at some point. I'm not sure when I'm going to get time exactly, but it is definitely on the watch list. And of course as well, for anybody listening who isn't aware, you can also now watch dubbed episodes on Funimation now because the simul dub of that is now available to the UK. We did some groundwork on that. We made it happen. <laughs> yeah. What else has been on your docket and what's another show that's really got you this season? 
Um, yeah, so other stuff. Um, Lupin the Third Part 5, again, sticking with, with the titles that we've got, that's also continued to be really good. It's it's ended, weirdly they're calling every story arc an episode, so like I got to the end of, what was it, episode 10, and it's like, end of episode 2. And it, Okay, so it's kind of like what they did with Space Patrol Lulico, where like a couple episodes was like the first season. Yeah, yeah, it's a similar kind of thing, but it's kind of interesting, because like, Lupin the Third Part 4 is mostly pretty kind of individual eps. There are some bits that tie everything together but it's quite kind of episodic whereas this has been very much more kind of solid art based so that's been a lot of fun that's that's been really good to watch it's done some cool stuff um the interesting thing that they're doing with this season as well is between those story arcs they're injecting in like individual episodes that effectively go back to like previous iterations of lupin like people lost their minds in the, the next episode preview after the end of the first arc because Lupin was wearing a pink jacket in the preview which is Lupin the Third Part 3 era and indeed that's exactly what they did they kind of went back and sort of tonally and in the way the story was, was sort of presented like it was very much like a Lupin the Third Part 3 episode that was kind of almost like dragged out of time um, and then the next episode preview for what will be the next episode at the time of recording this they've had... Uh, Lupin in a red jacket which is Lupin the third part two so it looks like they're kind of interspersing and going through episodes of sort of old school Lupin and, and kind of trying to stick to the the kind of the, the themes and, and the way those episodes played out which mainly like the do you, Lupin, do you mean themes of the series at the time yeah yeah okay. it kind of you know tonally like I mean the, the Lupin the third part three like tonally it's a lot more goofy and silly um, and it like, maybe wasn't quite my kind of thing, but it's just cool that they're doing that and they're sort mm. of recognising like the wider kind of body of Lupin rather reckon, than just doing new stuff. Do you reckon it may somehow play into the story going forward? Like, was there any kind of hint of like no, something it, that was referenced in the first half? No, or is it almost... Is, is it, I don't want to call it a filler, but is it almost just like a break in the action? Yes, yeah, like it's very much, I mean, yeah, to, to be kind of very literal about it, it is kind of a filler episode. Um, but it's, you know, it's just nice to see like pay homage to those sort of older Lupin shows. And it's it's the kind of thing like you probably wouldn't want an entire series of that. But just as a one-off kind of palette cleanser, it's, it's quite cool to see. Cool stuff. Well, uh, one show that uh, I know you talked about a few weeks back, and I've now had the chance to see the first four episodes of it, is Megalobox, which is uh, the the boxing with machine-based... I was going to say armory, but that's almost not the right word. Um, yeah. But, but machine-based arms, to, to, to your advantage. Again, I can't put it... I can't phrase it in a good way, which is crap, but... The, the thing you that you mentioned before, which really got me, was the sort of style of the show. Mm. How it felt like an older show... Then you said that they animated it in full HD, but then downscaled and then rescaled it? Yeah, yeah. So basically it's animated as per normal, albeit with kind of something of a retro vibe to it to start with. But then, yeah, they're trying to give it kind of the old school look of sort of like older like anime on VHS sort of almost, mm. where it's not, it's not that kind of crisp, clean, modern anime look that you're used to. It's kind of, it's a little bit... I can't really think of a good word because you don't call it like muddy or anything like that. It's not the wrong word as well. But, but. Yeah, but like it has that very much, it has that feeling of like you're watching an old show. And yeah, so they basically downscaled it and then upscaled it back again to, to HD, which, you know, is. I think some purists kind of don't like it because they want to see like the animation in the form that it was created. And to be fair, the show does have some really nice backdrops and background work and, and character work, which I think there's part of me that would like to see like an unmolested, if you like, version of it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like it really works. I mean, the whole show is like an, an homage to um, Ashton Joe, Tomorrow's Joe. So, you know, I mean, it says it in the opening credits pretty much. Exactly. It's the 50th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it, it is, it is kind of, you know, harking back to that. And I think that's a really good way of doing that. And it's, there, there's, it's weird because it's the kind of thing that I feel like normally I wouldn't like, but there's something really eye catching about the way it pulls that off. And I think, especially like blended with like, the soundtrack of it like the opening credits feel really kind of old school as well mm. like there's something that really enjoyable about that and it it's just... a theme that's growing on me as well like the first time I heard it I was like oh this is a bit of a weird opening theme but as you get through more episodes it's, it's a grow up yeah it, it's, it's probably the one opening that I don't kind of skip like every week I watch that right the way through because there's just something that I really like about it but yeah there's something really appealing about the, the way they've kind of you know managed to, to give it that old school feel but yeah it, it's still modern enough that 
it doesn't feel like you're watching an old show. It's kind of mm. they've, they've got that balance just perfect. Yeah, and the, the, the art style. I mean, I, I know it's not Studio Trigger, but it, it really screams like a killer kill with what's like a '90s vibe to it. Yeah, like sort of maybe late '80s into '90s vibe. I, I yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like it's got that retro feel that we've sort of mentioned here. That it it just works so well, and the boxing element it it's so damn good. The action. Yeah, I mean, Kill the Kill is sort of an interesting comparison point because that was very much like an homage to the works of Gona Guy and kind of like seventies, eighties stuff. So I think yeah, there's almost a similar kind of modus operandi at play with that. That, that that's what they're they're trying to do. Yeah, so I've got sort of. I think I've just finished episode four or five. I was talking to you about it earlier yeah. today, and uh, I'm sort of about to go to another fight, which seems to have more story related to it, which I'm very excited yes, about. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to you kind of banding into the office saying, oh my God, when you get to some of the later points, because uh, there are some really great moments and some, some really good twists and turns in that story that are still to come for you. So, uh, yeah, I'm like, well, we end episodes. 10 I think was the last episode mm. so we're getting towards the, the final few apps because how many is it total it's 13 like? episodes total so there, there was a point where I thought it was gonna it seemed like everything was stalling and that it was maybe gonna start running out of road but then it suddenly accelerated again it's like oh no actually this feels like it's gonna be really well paced to kind of hit a nice conclusion as well you know what I do think as well is it in watching it I think it's an anime that would benefit from having an English dub yes it's one of those that's got almost I don't want to say a Western feel to it, but I look at it and it's one of those ones I just think, I could watch this dubbed. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think that. Like, it's got a relatively small cast of characters. They're all quite distinctive. You, you could do some real good voice work with that, I think, to, to make that work. So, yeah, that, that would be cool if it gets an English dub for mm. sure. So, uh, what else has been in your docket recently? Because, again, I mean, I know you've been watching pretty much everything. But, <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, but any others that, that sort of stand out to you as a couple of picks? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've talked about Steins Gate Zero before. That's, that's still going really strong. I mean, it's, it's very much in the in the same vein as the original Steins Gate that that is a show that knows how to deliver a cliffhanger it can give you an episode that's like yeah this is this is alright this is pretty decent but then it just drops a real banger on you at the end and then it, it just your, your kind of closing memory of that episode like oh my god that was amazing like I need to see what happens next even though I've played the game I know what happens next but like it, it does a good job with that so yeah Steins Gate Zero still enjoying um, also worth mentioning Sword Art Online Alternative Gungale online yeah I've been wanting to watch GGO which has is, is also been been really fun and, and really enjoyable I think a lot of people were very sceptical about a sort of online spin-off kind of without any of the main cast and set within Gungale Online which, I was up for it obviously which, yeah like I mean a lot of people are like well you know Gungale Online is, is one of the less interesting kind of worlds of, of SAO but actually it's it's done really well like it's it's written by the creator of Kino's Journey who is also oh, okay. who's also a big military nut um, so like he's really into kind of you know all the, the guns and weaponry and all the kind of tactical side of it but it's also just really enjoyable like it's it's enjoyable because it's so different. I wasn't too sure what to expect from it because you kind of know what you're getting with SAO and it's all you know kind of big you know big life or death battles and stuff whereas this isn't like this is very much just like hey I'm just playing this online game. Like, the main character actually has interesting motivations for getting into, like, VR gaming, because basically she's really tall and she has a big hang-up about it because everybody looks at her and rather than saying, oh, like, you know, you're cute or you're smart or whatever, it's like, well, you're really tall. And, I, can, I can relate to that. Yeah. So, like, her thing is, like, she, she really hates that. Like, she feels really self-conscious about it. And so she finds VR games as, like, an escape where she can set her character to be the exact opposite. So she creates herself a character that's really small and cute instead, which just so happens to turn out to to be a real big advantage in a game where people are trying to shoot you in the head because you're really small and manoeuvrable. I feel like I can relate to this character quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really cool and it's, you know, it's she she meets some interesting characters along the way. I'm not quite sure where the current storyline's going because it's sort of it, it's laid down some ideas that I I really have no idea what it's, it's sort of end game is with, but uh but yeah, it's it does some really good stuff like around sort of like tournament based sort of, you know, um squad jams they're called in, in the, the in-game mm. parlance where it's it's basically like player unknowns battlegrounds but in anime where it's just like squads of, of players and it's you know they, they all get dropped in a map and it's like basically last man standing does it have any relation to was it battle of bullet from sao2 um 
kind of like Battle of Bullets is just like a every man for himself, whereas this is squad based. Oh, so okay. you can have teams of like anything from like two to however many people, and so it's like it's it's whichever squad wins. Mm. So that kind of makes it a bit more interesting because it's not just her going around on her own. She always has at least one other person who she's like teamed up with. Um, and so there are like other characters to bounce them off um, and yeah it's just been really fun and kind of enjoyable to watch it's it's very different from mainline SAO so if you kind of if you're turned away from Sword Art Online for a lot of the reasons that people are this is potentially worth a go because it's just it's very different from that mainline series it just kind of you know grabs one of the games and worlds as its basis and occasionally has fun little like nods towards it it's like at one point one character's like oh yeah like I got totally destroyed by somebody called Zekin when I was playing like online gaming the other day <laughs> a nice little SAO2 reference and it throws that in every now and again but uh, but no it's, it's good I've, I was surprised how much I've enjoyed it yeah I'm really looking forward to checking it out. I mean, I said to you when it was announced, like, oh, I'm, I'm really up for a spin-off of Sword Art Online. Not because I don't like the main character, just because there's so much more of a universe out there to explore. So I'm glad it has actually turned out pretty well. Mm. And uh, the only other thing I'll touch on before we sort of move on to, to chatting about something else is uh, I've actually been reading something, Andy. Because <gasps> uh, Comixology has uh, been the bane of my wallet's life because there's been a lot of sales recently. So aside from a lot of DC Universe stuff I've been catching up on, I bought some manga because there's currently a... Is it Dark Horse, I want to say? I'm probably wrong. No, it's Kadansha. It's a Kadansha sale that's on at the moment. There was a Dark Horse sale on it, and I think I bought the Gunsmith Cat's bundle uh, that they had. Oh, oh I missed was, that. Good thing, mate. Yeah, there you go. Why, why, why was I not told about this? <laughs> uh, you didn't get the memo, I guess. Um, but no, yeah, so um, one series that I wanted to check out for a while because they were going to do an anime of it starting this July, I believe, was, uh, was Grand Blue. Oh, Grand nice. Blue, which, I don't know, it just sort of... I sort of saw the key visual and sort of read it. It's like, ah, oh, that sounds like it might be a laugh. So I bought the f- first couple of volumes of the manga. And after reading the first volume, I can tell it's going to be a laugh. A guy who's just graduated from an all-boys high school has moved to sort of seaside town, where his sort of other relatives live, to go to college. And he wants to just have, like, the perfect college lifestyle. In living with family, go to college, have a good life. And the first night, he gets utterly, utterly drunk off his ass with a couple of other people not knowing them and it just says look above all else just make sure I'm at the lecture theatre for orienteering at 9am in the morning okay will do and at 8.55 wakes up in front of the lecture theatre only in his boxes <laughs> and there's just lots of like playing on family members and characters surrounding that and different circumstances and it's got a good it's got a good like tonal shift to it as well so uh, yeah based on the couple of chapters I've read so far I'm, I'm enjoying that as a sort of just a random pick almost I like to do that with manga occasionally just See something that's going to be coming out on TV and think, okay, give that a whirl. Yeah, it's, it's a nice uh, nice thing that, that Kadansha do in particular is, is they tend to do sales around kind of forthcoming or airing anime. They've, they've been very smart about doing that stuff. Yeah, there's also a crap of Attack on Titan on sale as well. So oh, yeah. I'm now like really tempted of, oh, should I... Yeah. Should I wait for season three and then just mainline more of it? Yeah, or? I mean, it's, it's one of the terrible things working here because every so often, like, Andrew Partridge sidles up to me and says, have you caught up on Attack on Titan yet? Because I need to talk to you about it. And, <laughs> and I still haven't, so, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of still... And the then he defers case. to Cat, who also hasn't caught yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. So I, I keep getting told that amazing things are happening that I really need to catch up, but I, I still haven't. But yeah, he did that to me for a while and then realised I was never going to catch up anytime soon. So yeah, <laughs> gave up. Yeah, I mean, I, I do... Uh, I, I have next week on holiday, so I'm definitely going to be doing some reading catch-up because uh, they've started releasing the Toradora light novels um, oh, okay. in, in English, so I want to check out the first one of those because uh, I'm a big lover of that show. And um, also, um, I don't know whether it's actually quite out yet, but um, 70s are also releasing a My Solo Exchange Diary, which is the follow-up to um, My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness, which is a fantastic, basically autobiographical, autobiographical manga about a girl and kind of like her struggles like as a teenager where she grew up with like eating disorders and anxiety and kind of all sorts of, of questions about her sexuality and it's, it's this really good kind of heartfelt forthright and actually surprisingly kind of funny tale about kind of her sort of coming to terms with herself as a person and this is basically like the follow-up book of kind of like her next steps which supposedly is is kind of like even even more sort of warts and all but it's a really fantastic book and it's like won various awards uh, the the original so uh, so i'll hopefully get to try and check that out but i don't know if it has a, a digital release date and now i tend to consume my stuff digitally i might have to wait yeah. for that one 
Yeah, I'm someone who's switched to digital quite a bit now, more just for a space-saving point of view. But yeah. What about you, Lauren? Are you someone who sort of switched to digital when it comes to books and DVDs Absolutely and stuff? Absolutely not. No. no. We got to be paper form for everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon that will ever change, or is that just something that's just ingrained unlikely. in you? Unlikely. I like having books. I like having bookcases full of books. Like, you know, I went and studied English at university and everything, so it'd be a bit weird if... I didn't. If like you switch, if you switch to a Kindle. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, some people do. That's fine. Like I get it for space saving, but I don't know. It feels wrong. There is something nice about actually holding a book. I do agree smell. with that. Yeah, smell that new paper smell. Yeah, I mean, but books are, books are legit more comfortable to read. But also, like, if I wake up of a weekend morning and think I want something to read, I can't just like have a book magically appear in front of me. Whereas if I could just buy something digitally and it's just like there 30 <laughs> seconds later, which uh, I, I, I highly approve of, because uh, that happens surprisingly often. It's like, I need something to read. I'll just like, flick through Kindle or Comixology. It's like, ah, problem solved. Yeah, it's, it's a dangerous thing though when you can do that, as, uh, uh, yes. as many bank accounts can attest to. So guys, what we wanted to move on to now before we uh, close out the show, because there isn't going to be much else to talk about today, but as E3 is kicking off this weekend at the time of recording, well, we wanted to touch a little bit on that. It's a little bit of a tradition in the Anime Limited office, and conveniently most people aren't here to discuss it, so we get to talk all about it. So I guess in in a sort of different way to do this, what what are we sort of each excited for? Is there anything in particular that we've got on our on our minds that we're hoping there will be lots of news of or something in particular to uh, to make mention of? Kingdom Hearts. Three. <laughs> is, is that your jam, is it? That's the only thing I give a shit about at this point. <laughs> and I'm so excited about it and so disappointed at the same time because I'm still doubtful that it's going to happen. I've waited <laughs> over 10 years. So are you saying you, you've been following it all the way through then? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's been 12 years since the last one was released. When Which would have... Two- I was like, gonna I mean, say, like main series, I okay. mean, like all the side ones, like I don't care about that, but main series, it's been 12 years since it was released in the UK. I was 11 when it was out. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, but I've waited a really, really long time and I've only seen trailers for it and I just want them to give me a fucking release date. <laughs> All I want, nothing else, no more trailers, nothing else. I just want a release date. So, so you'd be content with if there's just a slide that appears on the screen, just says Kingdom Hearts 3, then a date. And for you, that's E3 done. All I want is on their big screen to say, Lauren, I know you've waited a really long time for this. <laughs> like your whole childhood revolved around it. Here it is, here's the date for it, you can now pre-order it, and that's the date it's going to be at your house, and you can play it. So how, how, how will you feel if they just give you a year? What if they just put up 2019? How, how are you going to feel about that? We'll be taking some leave from work, <laughs> and you will not hear from me for a while. That's all I can say. To be fair, I did say at one point that if it doesn't come out at any point, which I don't think it will in my lifetime, that I'm gonna haunt the creators' families for the end of time. <laughs> oh man, so, okay, realistically then, this is me being a, this is a genuine question, I'm not trying to take the piss or anything. If they put a release date out, mm-hmm. if hypothetically, say if it was spring 2019, so long as it hit that date first time, would you be fine with that or do you, at this stage, are you like, it better be as, this year? As long as they give me an actual date for it, not like none of this spring 2019, like just tell me a date for it. Tell me like April 2019 or something, or yeah. April 3rd. Yeah, that's fine. Not April the 1st, because that would get the whole internet talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll take it. I will accept that. As long as they can give me a number for it, then I'm quite happy. I'm not convinced it's going to happen, but... See, I feel like they will. Like, I feel like they're at the point where they've shown enough of I it think they, they have will. to. I, I don't know how much longer they can no. possibly hold out for. No. Because, like, the full fandom has had blue balls for yeah. long and, enough now. And, and, I mean, they've, they've dropped so many trailers and clips from it now. Yeah, it yeah. kind of feels like it's like, at the point where... People have played it as well. People have played yeah, it. So, so, yeah, so... Yeah, like preview events and gonna, stuff. It's going to be insult to injury if they don't do it after all of... I mean, it's an interesting one because haven't hasn't Microsoft? I say Microsoft. Well, it's unofficially because I think it was being reported on Kotaku like within the last day or so. But like Crackdown Three has been delayed by like another year now, 
And apparently that thing was originally announced in 2014. Yeah, I mean... So, and then they had it, like, at E3 last year, and the feedback wasn't that great, and then suddenly it's been delayed until, like, undisclosed date for next year. So, it, it is entirely possible, but the thing is, like you were saying, people have actually been playing it, and, and it's been covered pretty widely, people have been playing it, and when you get to that stage... Logically, the next yeah, step. That's what I'm thinking. Like, surely, if people have been playing it, there's been that many trailers. Like, they can't just keep putting trailers out for it much longer. Like, they have to just put it out. They mm. have to like put it on sale or pre-order, give you a date at least. But they can't keep doing it. It's been going for years now, <laughs> as I'm very much aware of. So, genuinely curious, what tr- what drew you to Kingdom Hearts in the first place, and what about it do you like so much? Weirdly enough, I played the second one first, because okay. it was my cousin that had it at the same time, and I played it at her house, and my dad took me to Tesco later on that day and bought it for me, oh. and I didn't leave my room for a very, very long time after that. It's a long game, right? It's a very long game, and then I played the first one, which took even longer to get through, <laughs> and then played the second one again, but I've always loved it. Like, what's not to like? It's Final Fantasy and Disney stuff mm. so did you play like the, the spin-off dream drops destiny I, or, or whatever it was <laughs> i played some of them um it's not the same though like it's it's fine for like tidying you over a bit like giving you like little little pieces to keep you a little glimmer of hope it, but <laughs> yeah it's to keep people quiet until mm. we get the third installment which i'm very excited about one of the weird things I saw, I think it was, there was like a Japanese press event, I want to say it was earlier this year, where they sort of, I think it was revealed Toy Story, and then yeah. like the first clip of Toy Story they showed was like Woody and Buzz speaking in Japanese, and it freaked me the That's hell out. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest thing in the world. Not even like a, a faux Tim Allen or whatever doing Buzz Lightyear and it's Tom so Hanks. Freaky, but it looks so good. It's going to look so strange compared to the PS2 games as well because it's going to look completely different. Oh god, they were PS2, weren't they? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I mean that tells you. And, how then, long... and then they did the remake yeah. for the PS3, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean that tells you how long it's been. They missed an entire console cycle. Oh, it only just dawned on me because I remember that they released them on PS3 as the, what was it, 2.8 final chapter prologue? Sure. Or 1.5 remix underscore something? I don't know. Yeah. But... Exactly. <laughs> So, so Kingdom Hearts for you is all you care about when it comes it's to all E3. I care about. Like to be fair, I was talking to um, one of my friends. Um, we weren't sure what Nintendo were gonna do for the Switch um, because apparently they're not making any more consoles now, which is interesting. What Nintendo? Yeah, apparently, apparently, like the Switch and they're they're done. Uh, that's news to me, all right. She's just not no, all right. Okay, sorry. Oh, fair. Yeah, apparently, there's talks they're not gonna make any more consoles, which is. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think it's stupid if they don't make any more consoles, but what do I know? I mean, so hypothetically here, the handheld thing has been, has arguably, with the exception of the Wii, for a long time, been a much more successful venture. Yeah. And given they've now essentially got a home console in a handheld, mm-hmm. if they just stuck with doing stuff for the Switch going forward, I think I wouldn't put it past them, but to not do maybe like a new iteration of a Switch where it's like upgraded, so it could take more of more technology, that might surprise me. But. I'm just curious to see what games they were going to do. Like I said, I'm not, I don't know what they're going to do mm. for it. Like, also, it's only a year old, isn't it? So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's the thing. Like, there's a fair few years before they even want yeah, to think I'm about. Definitely not looking for a console or anything, but I was like, I'm not really sure what they're going to do, like for the Switch, and I said. What if they do a great Pokemon game for it? And have you seen the trailer for it? Is this for the Let's Go Pikachu it's, and Let's Go Eevee? Oh, it looks great. It's pretty much Pokemon Yellow, but for the Switch. And you can like use your Pokemon Go thing with mm. it as well. So any Pokemon you've got, you can just unload it onto your Switch mm. as well. So now I have to buy a Switch. And aren't they doing like a, a, a traditional RPG for the a Pokemon RPG for I think next year on the Switch or something. I think, I think that news so. came out. But you know what? The whole po- the idea of incorporating Pokemon Go into a game on the Switch, it's one of the best things Nintendo could do because Pokemon Go has had such a big user base on the phone. What way to try and entice people to switch over to a console than having a game which fr- I think from what I've read the 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 Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu ones, the mechanics are more similar to Go but in like an RPG style. So I think, like for example, like rather than, rather that's not a word rather than random encounters, you can sort of see what Pokemon is near you and then go and engage in a battle with that. Yeah, it's 
pretty much it looks similar to the old Pokemon games, like the way that the layout is and it looks amazing. Oh, but, it, but it's like 3D obviously, mm -hmm. but then when you're actually interacting with the Pokemon, like if you see something you want to catch it, it is just like the Pokemon Go screen mm. you would have for it. But it looks great. And, and, and you know what they're going to do when they release it? There'll be like a Pikachu themed Switch and an Eevee themed Switch. Oh, there must be. Any sense. Or the Joy Cons yeah, will be like branded with Pokemon all over the world. Yeah, that'll be maybe how they do it. It'll be a bit of Actually, no, because there's two Joy Cons. Just have one of each colour. I mean, you could. One for Pikachu, one for Eevee. Or they'll do skins for it or something like they did for the new 2DS XL. Mm. They brought out Pokemon ones for that because, of course, they did. But <laughs> All these 2DS XLs and whatnot. It's just... Yeah. Uh, or was it the, the new the, the new Nintendo 3DS? Like, uh, well, the latest one is the new 2DS XL. <laughs> 2.8 final chapter prologue, anyone? <laughs> so, uh, Andy, what's exciting you about E3? Is there, is there something you're particularly looking forward to? I mean, I think the stuff I'm probably looking forward to the most is the stuff I don't know about, if that makes any sense Which, at all. Which, at like, this point, isn't much. Which isn't a lot. <laughs> you're right. But, I mean, there, there is talk about, you know there's going to be some introductions of new IPs and, and so on and so forth. And that's kind of the stuff that I'm interested in. Like, there's nothing that I'm massively jonesing for a sequel to. You know, there are a few games that, yeah, sure, I'll be happy to play a second one all further down the road. I mean, we've both been playing Horizon Zero Dawn recently, like I completed it, and, you know, I'd be up for another one of those. But, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm just kind of hopeful that we get some really cool new IP. So uh, I'm sort of hoping that we, we might have something interesting along, uh, along those lines. For me, the, the sort of, I'm sort of excited about E3 in general, like watching the press conferences, because I like to watch all of them. I try and watch them spoiler-free as well, like the next morning if need be, just because I, I want to feel my natural reaction to it. Because otherwise you start reading stuff and that might have some kind of preconceived notion about it. But um, the thing I really want to hear about, I think I mentioned this in the office recently as well, is I want to know what Rocksteady are working on. The guys who did the Batman Arkham games. I'm craving for whatever they're next doing, and my main prediction is it's either gonna either gonna be it's either gonna be a Superman game or a Justice League game. Yeah, there there are details that are floating around that may or may not be official that it is a Superman game. I saw mm. I saw some of those last night, and there's there's definitely talk that that is what they're doing, um, which I mean kind of makes sense in some ways, but also like yeah, Superman. Mm. I mean, in Arkham Knight, there is a pretty big part involving, from what I recall, involving Lex Luthor. Or well, it's a pretty massive reference to Lex Luthor, which is Superman's main antagonist. Mm. So that would make sense. But I just I love the Batman Arkham games so much. And for a Superman game in general, it would be interesting to see what they did, given how much... they In terms of comic book games and how people perceive them, they really turned it on its head. That first Batman Arkham Asylum game, I still remember, I didn't play it until months after, but it was only through word of mouth, through friends going... Jeremy, why the heck are you not playing this game? You'd be losing your mind. And then I did when I started playing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Arkham Asylum was a great game. Like, I never really... I sort of bounced off Arkham City just because it was so big and kind of unwieldy. And then the third one, everyone was kind of bored of that formula. So I'm, I'm hoping... You didn't like the Batmobile, did you? I mean, that <laughs> didn't help, for sure. But, like, I, I kind of hope that they have something up their sleeves to kind of mix up and change that formula because if they just try to make like the Batman games but with Superman I don't see that working like I feel like they need something to to, to innovate and to, to make it work because that was the thing like the combat the combat the combat <laughs> in Batman was like what what made that work the combat in Batman no, nobody had managed to get that kind of like melee combat right mm. before and I mean every game you know even to this day still rips yep. on that and they kind of need something similar like that with, with Superman, whether it's like traversal or, or what, I don't know. But I mean, Superman I originally, in, like in the early days of, of the, the story and whatnot, couldn't fly. He could only jump really high and far. He could only, so that could he could only drive way. cars. There you <laughs> go. Convenient. But I mean, even if it ended up being a Justice League game, with the amount of different superpowers and characters you've got, there could be a really fun theme if you're switching between characters in different parts of the yeah. city or the world. Yeah, which I mean, I guess even if... Kind of like in Arkham Knight, where you could switch between different characters. I was going to say, yeah, like even if it is a Superman-branded game, which the, the rumours seem to be that it will be, yeah, there's nothing to stop them adding in some other characters to, to mix things up a bit so so yeah sure why not mm. and oh there's another thing I was going to mention oh yeah the other thing sort of on the same vein that I'm looking forward to hearing more about is Spider-Man game yes that I am interested in because that looks pretty cool from like the trailers and, and whatnot that they showed off last year like I think they had some 
they had some playable stuff at some point that journalists got to see, and mm. they were all like, "Yeah, it seems seems like it should be good." And and they're they're making all the right noises about you know kind of taking ideas from the good Spider-Man games and you know jettisoning stuff that that didn't work out so well. Like they understand that the traversal of that world is like a really important part of the people want to Spider-Man web as Spider-Man. Yeah, but it's like that's that's a difficult thing to get right, and they seem to have kind of like they seem to appreciate that and. and they seem to know what people want that to feel like so yeah I'm hoping that'll be good because that sounds like it should be should be a cool game if they manage to, to make it work indeed and then I guess about here we're going to start wrapping up the podcast but in terms of post E3 stuff I know you're not here next week Andy but I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll be doing some kind of podcast next week all going well if not then I guess all of our E3 thoughts will be like the week after next yeah. at the time of recording by which point everything will be old news so yeah. <laughs> but, but at that point we will know if we'll know by that point if Lauren is, is here or not yes yeah I mean you'd probably be able to tell what's happened with Kingdom Hearts 3 simply by whether Lauren is in the office or not in well, the to office to be fair even if they do give me it it'll just be me sitting during the podcast crying hysterically <laughs> <laughs> tears of joy though so okay going back to Kingdom Hearts just before we wrap up what if no no just hypothetically what if they don't give you a date but they give you a crap ton of info about what to expect in the game or at this point does it have to be a date not good enough I need a fucking date whoa Um, I'm too uh, I'm too tense about it now. I'm just fucking done. I just want them to tell me what's happening. I just want a date for it, and I want to be able to buy it. It's not asking too much. Now. It's exactly what most anime fans say to us on a daily basis. I know. And- I, know. <laughs> like, and I always like get really aggro about that. I'm like, oh, why are they getting so annoyed about it? And I'm like, but twelve years, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, I mean to be, to be fair. Like- <laughs> Yeah, I mean to to be fair, like in context, we haven't yet delayed any products for twelve years, so you know we 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 don't have that going on yet. Touching wood. Um, so you know, I don't know why I was genuinely thinking, have we? Or, <laughs> no. For a second, I mean only because we haven't existed as a company that long, yeah, admittedly. But still, we, we could probably look into the future. Someone's got that power. On that note. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you hit up our website, alltheanime.com. As I mentioned at the top of the show there, you can get all the details on our upcoming releases and already available titles. As we mentioned as well, we've got two special offers going on, that being for Hyoka Part 2 and Rocker, Braves of the Six Flowers. Make sure you take advantage of those offers until Thursday next week at time of recording. From myself, Jeremy Graves, from Lauren and Andy, we've been Team Anime Limited, signing out and enjoy E3. Bye, everyone. Bye.